The Water Values Podcast, Session 106. Welcome to the Water Values Podcast. This is the podcast dedicated to water utilities, resource, treatment, reuse, and all things water. Now here's your host, Dave McGinnis. Hello and welcome to another session of the Water Values Podcast. As my daughter Sarah said, I'm Dave McGimsey. Thanks so much for joining me. Uh, we've got a great show for you today. We've got James Eklund back. Uh, you may remember James from uh, podcast number 55. He is back and we're going to talk alternative transfer methods today. Uh, you know, ATMs as they're called uh, is a listener requested topic. Josh, I'm very sorry for how long it's taken me to get back to this topic. I'm, it's no one else's fault but mine. Um, uh, it's just took, took me a while to kind of get things organized. I, uh, rounded up James and he, he gladly agreed to come on and share his knowledge of, uh, ATMs. Uh, but before we get to the James's great interview, uh, first, a couple of uh, housekeeping items. Now, first off, thanks so much to Jacobo or Jacobo, uh, for the fantastic rating and review on iTunes. Uh, Jacobo says, or Jacob says, I absolutely love this podcast as someone who's starting out in the water industry and who is passionate about environmental issues, one thing I would like to hear more on is geospatial technologies, GIS applications in water and hydrology. Keep up the great work. So uh, thanks so much, Jacobo or Jacob. Oh, uh, really appreciate that. And uh, we'll look into some topics concerning uh, geospatial technologies and GIS applications in the water industry uh, in terms of uh, water hydrology. So. We will get to that. Another thing that this brings up is I have now received a critical mass of emails with people saying, hey, I'd love to leave a uh, rating and a review for you, but I just don't know how. Well, on iTunes, at least, it's, it's really pretty simple. You, you log into your iTunes account, uh, go to the iTunes store, uh, under podcast, just search for, uh, in, in search in the, in the search section, you don't have necessarily have to be on podcast, but just search for the Water Values Podcast, click on the icon, It'll come up. It'll be on the details page. You'll see a little, uh, uh, menu, you know, several menus. There's uh, details, uh, ratings and reviews, and then uh, related. So you want to click on the ratings and reviews tab. And if you scroll down just a little bit there, right under customer reviews, there's a little button that says write a review. Uh, so you can do it that way. And you can also, there's a right above that where the ratings are, you can, you can rate it. Uh, the podcast by clicking on the number of stars five is preferred, if you know what I mean. Uh, so uh, that is the easy way to do it uh, through um, through iTunes. Uh, if you have the podcast app on an iPhone, uh, you can click on the podcast app, go to search, search for the Water Values podcast, click on the icon, and it's basically the same thing. You just go to the reviews, and then it allows you to write a review. So uh, if you if you haven't figured it out yet, what It'd be really great if you've been enjoying the podcast to please leave a rating and a review on iTunes. That would uh, help other people find it. And uh, we're at 48 ratings and reviews now. Uh, the vast majority of those, like I think there's like 43 or 44, are five stars. So thanks so much. I really appreciate it, especially uh, the younger generation that seems to uh, uh, provide a lot of the ratings and reviews. Not everyone's here, but uh, it is very gratifying to know that I'm helping out the next generation. So that's, that's an, impo an important point to me. Uh, so here we go. We have James Eklund, and he's, he's absolutely fantastic. You're going to learn a lot about alternative transfer methods. So without further ado, 
Open the valves, fasten your seatbelts, and here we go. Well, James, welcome back to the Water Values Podcast. Great to have you back on. Um, I know it's been about 50 or so episodes since we had you on. Uh, can you tell us a little about what's changed in your life since uh, since that last appearance? You're back, Dave. It's uh, good to hear your voice again. And uh, the big change for me has been I've left the state of Colorado, where I was the state water uh, agency lead, and uh, now am practicing law and private practice in, in your in your uh, familiar stomping ground <laughs> here in here in private practice in Denver I'm at a firm called Squire Patton Boggs and uh, do uh, a kind of corporate level water work and uh, excited to be here great well I uh, appreciate you taking some of your billable time out uh, hopefully we won't take too many tenths of an hour uh, off your off your time for you but um, wanted to this is this is a listener requested uh, session. Uh, we had a uh, DU law student who's very interested in learning more about ATMs. And we're not talking about the kind you stick your card into to access your money. We're talking about alternative transfer methods. And so, uh, James, I want to, my first question to you is going to be, um, uh, could you just give us a brief history of alternative transfer methods? You know, how did they come about and stuff like that? You bet. So, um, I love the question coming from DU. That's my law school, and uh, I'm going to make sure that person uh, offline gets a uh, hold of the Colorado Water Plan. Make sure they get a, a nice copy for themselves because it's got a great chapter. In fact, it's chapter 6.4 of the of Colorado's Water Plan that uh, really goes into this in, in a amazing detail. So, if your uh, if your listeners want more information, that's a good spot for this topic. Um, the the ATM uh, concept really is an outgrowth of something that that we call buy and dry. It's it's an alternative. That's the alternative part of an ATM. Uh, we're trying to find alternatives to buy and dry. Well, what's buy and dry? Buy and dry is uh, you've got all these municipal uh, centers growing in the west and, and the and the east too. But but in the west where we have water stress, primarily west of the 100th meridian, you have these growing municipal centers. They need municipal water uh, for their for their ratepayers and, and their constituents. Uh, well, where are they going to get that water? Well, they can go and pump the groundwater, sure, and they've done that. And they can go over to to uh, other basins and try and transfer water out of uh, basins where there's more water into their into their service territory. Uh, the the kind of the third place they can go is. Uh, Agriculture, irrigated agriculture has water rights. Usually, they're pretty senior water rights, and and right now, uh, we have been seeing you know increasingly in the West anyway uh, transfer of those uh, water rights, uh, that water off the land and into the municipal uh, water use sector. So uh, that's that's kind of buy and dry, where you're buying the you know the municipality buying the water transferring it and drying the land. So the short-term short kind of pejorative term of, of art in, in water uh, buy and dry is meant to kind of capture that, that process. So, um, so that's a, you know, individual uh, farmer or, or rancher wants to do that. It's a private property, right? We've talked about it many times on your, on your show here. Uh, it's not something that can be, uh, you know, 
stops. You, you, you get to do that with a private property right. The, the problem that we run into is the tragedy of the commons. If, if we do that, uh, if, if we just do that wholesale and let all of the new municipal growth uh, occur based on transfers from agriculture, then we might have a, a more serious uh, problem with our agricultural communities than, than we can handle. And so uh, we wanted to find out, we, I mean, the, the Western United States really over the last several decades has wanted to find alternatives to buy and dry. And so we call them the agricultural transfer methods or mechanisms, ATMs. And you're right, they're not cash machines in the in the traditional sense of uh, <laughs> but they're kind of cash machines in the in the sense that you know uh, it's not it's an option for a, a farmer and in some of the atms uh, methods to uh to farm cash instead of farming uh, crops so uh is, is that good enough of an overview for you yeah that's yeah, that's good so uh, i think you've covered some important points there it's not specific to colorado this this is going on uh, in other states that have prior appropriation as their scheme of water rights, um, and it, you know, the, I, I want to make sure it's it's is it is it limited to uh, agriculture or can other holders of property rights also take advantage of ATMs? Yes, really. Any any transferable, you know, decreed beneficial use that's recognized by the jurisdiction you're you're in. Uh, you can you can go to in Colorado you go to water court and I know we're unique in that respect but in other states you go to the administrative process usually a state engineer or something like that and you get the water right changed um, in a, in an administrative process uh, in Colorado you do it through a judicial process and and uh, you change the decree so that if you're in if it's an agricultural water right, then you change it to a municipal water right or a uh, industrial water right or whatever the, the beneficial consumptive uses you want to change it to. Got, yeah, got it. So it's just most commonly used in the agricultural setting, and that's why it's kind of a focus, right? Exactly. Okay, perfect. Um, so so what forms does it take? You know, I mean, is are these uh, kind of like some some sort of are they leases or um, are they kind of for a period of years uh what you know what what are we looking at in terms of how what form these ATMs take yeah ATMs are are and that's a great question because they are really um uh, quite uh, diverse in their in their variety there there's a, a healthy variety of ATMs out there uh ranging from kind of what you're describing um, there's, I'll, I'll just kind of tick through the, the ones that I know of off, off the top of my head. And, and there are new kind of, uh, uh, manifestations of these or, or, uh, new, new types of these coming online all the time. Anytime anybody has a good idea about how to, how to have an alternative, um, it, you know, it's just really, the definition is quite loose as to what an ATM uh, comprises, but in general, it's, it's anything that is an alternative to buy and dry. So that would be uh, rotational fallowing. Uh, rotational fallowing would be, you know, you, you put water on uh, part of your crop, you fallow some of the land, meaning you don't you don't plant it. Land, and you take that water that you you didn't use uh, that you otherwise would have, and you you allow that to be transferred, uh, but you still stay in production. So that's that's the idea of uh, you know you're not 
just drying the land completely and taking the water off and and the operations done it's just a a a change in the operation so that's rotational fallowing you got another type which is interruptible supply agreements that's the type that type of atm is uh, you know kind of between non-agricultural water users and and then the farmers and shareholders or a ditch company and that's that's water that's transferred temporarily uh, from the ag use to another use uh, you know like we've been talking about municipal use is the most prevalent um, and so you know, farms are fallowed during specific periods of time and then the water is released to an end user based on the historic consumptive use portion of the water right so you know that's that's kind of a contractual deal that you get into and it says when you can when you will be using water when when you won't be using water and that's just kind of on a on a deal by deal basis. Um, uh, one of the another type of ATM, uh, municipal ag uh, water sharing is is kind of a, another broad uh, term that kind of covers what I what I hear in the water community talked about as deficit irrigation, meaning you're 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 using less water uh, to get your crop through. So maybe. Maybe instead of growing, uh, you know, uh, X number of bushel of corn, you're growing, you know, X minus uh, three <laughs> uh, bushel of corn with a uh, little less water. But you're still in production, and there's still a crop on that field. So you're just you're using less water, and you're taking that that water you you're entitled to use and transferring that or selling that to the municipality. Uh, there's water co-ops. That are that are kind of uh, usually ditch companies get into those and and they 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 you know total up the shares and try and identify some excess water that the whole system uh, doesn't need that they can transfer. Uh, there are water banks uh, in the Colorado River Basin, uh, which drains the entirety of the western side of the state of Colorado and uh, you know a, a tens of thousands of acres. Uh, of land in, in the uh, or square miles of, of land in the west. Uh, we're, we're looking at water banks there uh, where you would bank water that, that you otherwise would have used consumptively in a reservoir or some someplace and and then release it uh, other times. And then there are, are uh, the last type that I've, I've kind of jotted down here uh, is uh, flex markets and those are uh, kind of a creature of law where you you take uh, a statute uh, like Colorado did and you you enact a uh, law that says well yeah you can you can go get your decree and it can say that the water is decreed for uh, the agricultural use but if you want now with this legislation you can go in and and uh, decree it for more than one beneficial use and the power of that is that you don't have to go, once it's got that kind of flexible quality to it, then you don't have to go back in and change it, uh, you know, if you wanted to transfer it to the to the uh, user that was gonna pay you. So it's giving you a little more flexibility and it's an alternative to buy and dry because at the end of the day, you're staying in production and instead of, you know, the buy and dry scenario where you, you you get out of agriculture altogether, or at least that that piece of property, that acreage goes out of production. Got it. Got it. So uh, I'm, I'm curious, 
as you were kind of, and you did a great job summarizing those uh, those quickly. I, I I think that's a, a unique skill of yours uh, to uh, be able to describe that stuff. Uh, so I'm thinking here of how the availability of ATMs is affecting ag. Is it because one of the one of the things you hear just all the time is you know uh, ag uses you know seventy percent of the water eighty percent of the depending on who you're what you know facts you're looking at seventy percent of the water and so you know lots of people say ag needs to get more efficient and I'm kind of curious if ATMs are opening the door for agricultural water efficiency that it's essentially giving them an incentive to employ more efficient practices so you know one of those scenarios you described was you know essentially the 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 ag user using its allotted or using however much water and then what it doesn't use it is subject to the atm so i mean are you seeing that out there uh that essentially uh atms are are causing uh the ag community to to uh, engage in water conservation measures and water efficiency measures yeah, I mean, that that's definitely happening. That's an incentive that wasn't there before for them to, um, to get, uh, well, I, and, and the terminology is important here. Uh, Dave, this is, this this trips up a lot of people in, in uh, water in Colorado, even water lawyers, to be honest, uh, uh, get confused about efficiency versus conservation. So uh, conservation in the ag uh, sector is using less water. And... You know, you can you can do that a variety of ways. Increasing efficiency, however, is uh, you know improving the transfer of the water or the movement of the water from the stream to your crop. And the the classic example is uh, moving from flood irrigation to sprinkler irrigation or drip uh, irrigation or some other type of more efficient practice. And and the interesting part about that is that. Yes, you're diverting less water at your headgate because you don't need to. You don't need to pull as much water through uh, to, to hit the, the root zone of the crop uh, because you're not flooding anymore. You're putting it into a very efficient uh, pipe structure, uh, but the the you're also most likely hitting the root zone more efficiently and more effectively. And if you do that, you're actually increasing in some cases your consumptive use. So uh, you might be using more water because you became efficient. Uh, and that's counterintuitive to people because when they think of conservation, they think, oh, well, you're using less water. And and that's that's not entirely the case in agriculture. So uh, conservation is, is um, something that is being incented, though, by these uh, ATMs. They're, you know, the, the agricultural user wants to make sure, you know, they're like any small business or, or even large business, depending on the operation. But uh, here in Colorado, they they are uh, wanting to see uh, maximize their, their returns on their investment. And uh, if that means that they farm cash in a certain year using an ATM versus, uh, you know, farming a crop and getting whatever the commodity markets will allow, then, then they're going to do that. They're, you know, that's a business decision that they want to make. The, the, the important thing, though, from a kind of a public policy uh, perspective, is you want them to make that decision as opposed to an outright buy and drive uh, situation. So, 
you want them to have some different alternatives. And, and uh, there are some really, I think, exciting uh, uh, variations on that theme uh, that are, are happening in the North Denver metro area. Uh, so uh, I, I can go into those a little bit if you would like, but uh, this space is very, it's rapidly uh, changing and it's an innovative place to be. Okay, James, you've convinced me. I'll, I'll, I'll bite. <laughs> well, okay. So uh, <laughs> specifically, I mean, the, and, and these are details in, in the water plan that uh, I alluded to uh, that, you know, you've got uh, – the Morgan Ditch Company and XL Energy, I, and I know you're very, you're more, you forgot more last night about the uh, electric and, and power industry than I'll ever know, Dave. So, uh, <laughs> but this is a deal where uh, the Ditch Company said, hey, we, we've got these uh, these water shares and we've got a big power plant out here uh, near Fort Morgan. And we, we can either, we could do a buy and dry where they just, you know, I think Excel Energy would have been happy to buy all of the ditch and uh, do a, an outright buy and dry of, of the of the ditch, but uh, you know that would have been bad for the community. So uh, the ditch company, uh, in this case the Morgan Ditch and Excel Energy, formed a, a voluntary lease agreement, and and they've been operating that thing for I think like 20 years now. So they're this was ATMs before ATMs were cool, I guess. <laughs> uh, and then, uh, and then the other one that comes to mind is uh, the city of Thornton. Uh, they formed a, a short-term lease and, and temporary substitute supply, water supply plan uh, to provide emergency water uh, to the Platte River uh, Power Authority when they were in need of, of some water. So, uh, the city of Thornton has. Have been moving. Uh, they they've, uh, they acquired some water rights in Weld County, north of uh, you know, in an agricultural uh, setting up there in Weld County, and uh, clear back in the 80s. And uh, and now they're you know they're they're growing. I mean, the whole Denver Metro North North Denver Metro area is is just kind of exploding right now in growth. It is. And so, as a result, they need water, and they and they've got this this part of the the uh, uh, portfolio of water that they have access to that they want to transfer. And and uh, how they do that is very important because they could do that. You know, they could just flip the switch and move the water completely off the land. Uh, you know, all of it at once, and and call it a day. They're legally entitled to do that. Uh, but they realize that they, you know, they want to be good partners and neighbors with the, the community up there. And so they're going to phase in whatever water they need is the water they're going to move, but they're not going to move more than that. So uh, they're, they're doing things that are pretty innovative, I think, in the space, like paying fees and lieu of taxes into the property uh, tax base so that, you know, the community doesn't, uh, doesn't, feel all of the brunt of the impact of that transfer at once. And so, you know, that's another type of ATM uh, that is, is a, a, it's a variation on the theme where you're trying to reduce the amount of impact on a community uh, that, that, you know, otherwise probably would have been a buy and dry situation. Right. Right. And so, so something you've said, pick, kind of pick my interest there um, about uh, the, the Platte River Power Authority and Excel, both those 
examples you used involved energy companies, uh, presumably with uh, substantial thermoelectric generation. And, um, and so I, I'm, I'm curious. I know that uh, Governor Hickenlooper has indicated uh, that Colorado wants to, um, I don't want to say uphold, but uh, achieve the Paris climate or, uh, you know, support the Paris climate agreement, even without federal authority. And um, um, that obviously entails uh, a move towards cleaner electric generation. And so to the extent all these, all these utilities, electric utilities out there hold um, water rights for thermoelectric generation, it seems that might be a really good source for some ATMs. Yeah, that, that's, a, that's a great point. There, there, are, um, there are a number of uh, things you can do in a headwater state like Colorado where you're at the, at the top of the system. You can do hydroelectric power, and that's only a small fraction of the, of the electric, electricity generation that we, that we produce here. Uh, and I know it's probably similar to, you know, the rest of the country in that respect. But there are there are some innovative things that technology is going to allow us to do on that front, on the clean tech front. And Colorado is trying to be, to your point, uh, a leader and an innovator in that space. Right, right. Um, okay, so it's my understanding under the under the Colorado Water Plan, it's looking at. Uh, saving or at least using ATMs to to get 50,000 acre feet of water by 2030 um, transferred so that, well, I shouldn't say transferred, but uh, to allow municipalities and to, to essentially feed that, feed that growth uh, in municipal populations. Um, I mean, how can, can ATMs achieve that? Is that, is that something that's a reasonable goal? I mean, What's the what, what's the, what's the typical ATM? How many acre feet are we talking with with the typical ATM? Yeah, I mean uh, it, it's definitely a stretch goal. Uh, the the fifty thousand acre feet that's set out in the water plan, uh, but we think it's achievable because uh, you know, and it really it's really hard to answer that question about what's an average ATM look like. It really just depends on the size of the agricultural operation and the size of the municipality, or I guess the demand in the municipality. But, uh, you know, we had, I think, 2,500 acre feet involved in that that Morgan Ditch uh, Excel Energy example I gave you, and that one's been going on for a long time. So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I think with the with the spotlight that this issue has obtained, and, I mean, this goes right to the, the – Part of your question uh, in this whole segment is: uh, are, are we going to allow our water law to to uh, incent the types of ATMs that uh, rapidly uh, make more acres uh, stay in production uh, and and take advantage of of these new these new ideas that some of, some of the ATMs I'm sure that we'll look back at in 2050 and and hopefully I'm still around and be able to say. Here's what, here's uh, here are the things we didn't even know about when we wrote the first part of Colorado's water plan, and hopefully that scales across the West because really that has to happen. And, and the, the example that that I always gave when I was uh, uh, with the state was that we have uh, we have about 2.5 or 2.6 million acres of irrigated land total in Colorado. And by 2050, if we don't do anything about this and just let kind of 
inertia, uh, the status quo, uh, carry us forward in, in feeding our municipal growth, uh, we'll lose 50 to set, well, no, it's not 50, it's 500 to 700,000 acres of currently irrigated farmland in order to meet that municipal growth. So, you know, it, it's not a, it's not a, a question of, uh, of uh, just water alone. It's uh, food security and providing, you know, the, the kind of state that we want our kids to inherit from us. Right, right. So um, I, to the extent you can, can you talk about uh, ATMs in other states? And, you know, you've, you've been fantastic talking about Colorado. I'm just kind of curious. I know Squire Patton Boggs has a footprint larger than just uh, Metro Denver there. And so uh, to the extent you can, you can speak to ATMs in other states, uh, I'd, I'd like to get your uh, thoughts on how those are progressing uh, elsewhere. You bet. So the, one of the fun parts about being at a global firm like this is they have 46 offices in 21 countries. And, and so they, I'm learning about every day about uh, innovative practices in the Middle East or in Latin America or Southeast Asia that uh, I didn't know existed. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm trying to learn as fast as I can, but there's some, there's some really interesting, interesting, innovative things going on around the globe on this issue. Um, right here in the U.S., the biggest, uh, I think, most, uh, most talked about ATM has been with the Imperial Valley Irrigation District in Southern California and San Diego. And they did, they did, it was kind of the water bank, uh, brand of the ATM list I was going through. And um, they, they, have, you know, they basically said, well, we will uh, fallow uh, portions of land here on it, and some of it's rotational fallowing and, uh, and then we'll transfer water on an agreement basis uh, to San Diego. And, and that's, uh, you know, that's been effective for those, those farmers in that, in that district. Uh, San Diego, I think, has also paid into a kind of a community impact fund, so that you know, when you when you pull water out of a out of a ranch or a farm, there's an impact, obviously, to the to the uh, to the farmer or the rancher that you're dealing with. But there's also an impact to the community because that farmer or rancher, if it's if it's an outright buy and drive type of thing, uh, then you know they they move completely out of the county. They're not paying property taxes anymore. They're not sending their kids to the school district. They're not going to the grocery store or the restaurants and so there's an, or, or the implement dealer, more, most importantly. And so uh, there, the idea with the uh, ATM in Southern California was to pay into a fund that would uh, distribute some, some uh, money to the uh, implement dealers that are in operation down there uh, to make sure that they're not driven out of business because of this transfer uh, type of of setup, so there, there's some innovative stuff going on out there, and I'd say that the big that big one is uh, is is probably at the top of the list in terms of what's going on in the West. Awesome. So, with with all this, with all you know, your kind of reservoir of knowledge, no pun intended. Um, uh, where where do you see ATMs heading? Uh, you know, what's what's kind of the the future and the end game that we're we're seeing around ATMs? 
Yeah, so we're, you know, Colorado's not unlike, I'm sure, most of Western states. Our, our statutes have to catch up to what the uh, practitioners and the users want to see. And, uh, and, you know, so we've got some work to do on the statutory front to make sure that we're incenting the, these ATMs and not, and not disincenting them. So that's, that's, a, that's an important um, uh, step uh, in, the, in the direction we're headed. Uh, the other the other thing that, that, that needs to happen is, you know, just more people need to know about uh, where their food comes from and and why it's important that we find these ATMs uh, and, and make them uh, make them be able to scale. Because uh, if if you just assume that your food comes from the grocery store, then you, you may not see the value in in uh, ATMs versus buy and dry. Uh, but the you know the the thing I like to say is that the uh, I think it's Dairy Farmers of America rep for the Western U.S. says that uh, the metro area here has one of the lowest, if not the lowest, uh, trans transportation distance between you know from farm to table for a gallon of milk. Uh, we've got the best, the lowest mileage between those two spots than any other state in the in the country. So. Uh, the reason we've got that is because we have agriculture sitting uh, right out on the eastern plains and in places uh, that they can get on I-25 or I-70 and, and bring the, the product to market fairly easily and inexpensively. And so uh, if we want that dynamic uh, to be uh, to continue, uh, then we've got to be intentional about our policy and our statutes and and our education efforts around it, and hopefully the water plan. And you can still go to coloradowaterplan.com if, if you uh, want to read more about this. Uh, it's in chapter six, and uh, uh, the you know the state I know is and the governor is very interested in in scaling these ATMs. Okay, terrific. So so James, you've done an awesome job so far. Um, have have I missed anything? What, have I missed any important points about ATMs that that the listeners ought to know about? No, I I, I think you captured it, David. I, the the uh, the space is really it's it's a innovative place. Um, you know, just as you have uh, people, young young people that are innovative entrepreneurs entrepreneurs. In, engaged in uh, the tech industry or bio biomedicine or or uh, aerospace, you know that there, there needs to be um, an incenting of uh, those folks to be involved in agriculture, and this is a place where that can happen. There are really cool things going on uh, in in irrigation techniques. Uh, People using infrared cameras and sit on the top of your sprinkler system so that as your sprinkler passes over the crop, you can tell in real time how much water that crop needs. And, and you know, a computer can adjust how much water is being distributed as it passes over the crop on that on that swing of a center pivot. I mean, all that stuff is is it was was not even uh, conceivable uh, when when uh, my grandfather was irrigating when he was my age. So uh, I think we've got innovation that's going to be rapid. And you know, I encourage people to, to pay attention to that and, and, and get engaged in it. Okay, terrific. So, uh, James, uh, again, fantastic job. 
Uh, really interesting stuff. And it's great to hear the, about all the innovation that's going on. And, you know, I, th- I think it's very similar to that, uh, uh, the P3s. You know, we were both out in San Diego at the uh, P3 Water Summit, and I, I heard a number, on a number of occasions, well, if you've seen one P3 agreement, you've seen one P3 agreement. And that kind of sounds like it, it's the same thing going on with ATMs. If you've seen one ATM, you've seen one ATM. So, uh, yeah. So, uh, uh, again, thank you very much for coming on. Uh, for those folks who want to find out more about you, uh, where can uh, people go to get that information? Well, you can go to squirepatentbox.com. That's the name of the firm that, I, that I'm with. Uh, or just Google me, and I, I should be, uh, I should pop up. <laughs> and uh, I, I love, as you can tell, I sometimes get a little bit, I, my wife thinks I'm a, I'm a total water geek, and I think she's right. All right, terrific. Well, uh, again, James, thanks again, and I uh, look forward to seeing you the next time. We'll talk soon. Thanks. Take care, Dave. You too. Bye. Well, that was a great interview. Uh, that James Eklund gave. Uh, I, I really appreciate his time and his vast knowledge and how easily, the th- I mean, things just seem to roll off of his tongue, uh, That all this, this knowledge about ATMs. So, uh, I, again, really appreciate James and his time. Great guy. And uh, wish him well in his practice uh, now that he has entered uh, uh, the private practice of law after being the director of the Colorado Water Conservation Board for so long. Well, I'd really be interested in hearing what you uh, thought about the podcast, about the interview with James. Uh, feel free to leave uh, your comments on the show notes, you can find, you can uh, go to the podcast, uh, by clicking on the, by entering the link, uh, the watervalues.com forward slash pod one Oh six, uh, leave a rating or review, uh, or on iTunes and stitcher, uh, or tune in or whatever podcast directory directory you listen to. Uh, you can tweet about the podcast using the hashtag water values. You can email me at David at the watervalues.com. I would really appreciate hearing from you to, to hear what you think about the podcast. Um, would also appreciate you uh, providing a, a PayPal donation. You can do that on the website. Uh, there's a little yellow uh, uh, donate button on the lower right portion of the website. You just click there. Any denomination is very appreciated. It helps us uh, keep the keep the lights on, so to speak, and keep the valves open, so to speak, um, here at the podcast. So thank you so much for all your support, the great ratings and reviews. And, uh, and I just uh, say in closing, please remember to keep the core message of the Water Values Podcast in mind as you go about your daily business. Water is our most valuable resource, so please join me by going out into the world and acting like it. listening to the Water Values Podcast. Thank you for spending some of your day with my dad and me. Thank you for tuning into the disclaimer. I'm a lawyer licensed in Indiana and Colorado, and this podcast does not establish an attorney-client relationship with you or anyone else. Information in this podcast should not be considered legal advice. Further, this podcast is not a solicitation for professional employment. I'm just a lawyer who finds water issues interesting and who believes greater public education about water issues is necessary. And that includes enhancing my own education about water issues because no one knows everything about water. 
Thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you next time.